Good morning, everyone. Grace and peace. It is uh, great to be together. Glad y'all are here. Um, we are not in Judges. We are in Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 12. But before we go to Mark chapter 12, we're going to land uh, for our prayer time this morning in Psalm 118. Um, and you'll get why as we um, move through our study today. But maybe instead of reading this, as we pray through this, I want you to listen for the main theme of Psalm 118 and see if it becomes readily apparent to you what it is. All right? Let's pray together. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surround me. But the name of the Lord, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surround me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live. And will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous, and I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God. He has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, joining the festival possession, procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen indeed.
Any thoughts? Triumph over enemies. Ah, triumph over enemies. Mm. What do y'all think? Good answer? That's right, he does. But learning through experience. Ah. Victory. Okay, good. Yeah. And what is that goodness, Aaron, supposed to compel us to do? Actually, what does the text say? Yeah, it is. There it is. There it is. It's give thanks. So, so notice it began with that word. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. It kind of repeats itself a couple of times throughout it. And then it, boom, it ends with the same thing. All right. Now, did you notice, like we've, we've been a, like slogging through, I know, these verses uh, beginning in chapter 11. But remember when Jesus uh, came in on the donkey? What psalm were they quoting? Psalm 118, right? And remember, uh, when people quote these Old Testament passages, you're supposed to, in essence, upload, like if you're quoting a psalm, you're supposed to upload the whole psalm. Uh, one of the things that I have uh, found myself doing lately, uh, y'all have heard some of my struggles with uh, our twins, and uh, especially with Simon. Um, when Simon gets into one of his bad places, my tendency is to begin to quote Psalm 22. Anybody? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? And I notice that I never get to the next verse. For you are enthroned as the Holy One. Right? And so, yeah, Jesus quotes that from the cross. But he gets to the other stuff too. It's just not written down, right? So, you're going to notice something. Uh, Mark, the way he puts the gospel together, he in this section, he does not let Psalm 118 go. We're going to get another quote from Psalm 118 today. And, um, hmm. I'm curious if a lot of our struggle could be mitigated through a more intentional act on our part to be thankful and to be more thoroughly connected to the goodness of God. Seems like kind of a simple thing. If you look in Romans chapter 1, it's like a dark passage uh, talking about how God's wrath is being poured out on all creation. And you know why, he's, why, why Paul says it's being poured out? Because they refuse to give thanks and to acknowledge God as God. It's like some things never change, right? And so here we are in chapter 12. Um, then Jesus began to speak to them. That to them, we gotta remember who the them are at this particular time. You know, one of the things that Jesus does is he goes into Jerusalem for the last week of his life. In some ways he's going there to pick a fight. 
It's not to pick a fight for picking a fight's sake, but it is to reveal clearly that the temple and the people who are associated with the temple and that the people who are associated with leading Israel uh, in general have led their nation into a place of utter spiritual bankruptcy. And the, these people, these various groups, and I think there's at least six that are mentioned. So in this section, we've got the chief priest, the teachers of the law, the elders, the Pharisees, the Herodians, and the Sadducees. It's a lot of different groups. Now those groups overlap uh, to one degree or another, but this is who Jesus is talking to now. Uh, they are regularly trying to trap him, uh, to expose him. And he comes around, and then as he taught his disciples, he begins to teach them. This is an opportunity that they are given to change the way that they think. To repent. Because they're trying to trap them. So here we go. Then Jesus began to speak to everyone who was opposed to him. In essence, would be a way to say that. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. You need to underline fruit of the vineyard. It's really important. All right. Anything seem weird yet? No. This is this would be a normal thing uh, in the ancient world. Now, verse three is when things start to get interesting. But they seized him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. So ponder that for a second. Why would one do that? Or why would they do that? These tenant farmers, a representative from the owner comes, and why would they do that? Okay, that would be an option. They don't, they don't want to release any of their fruit. They want to hold it for themselves. Oh, that's really good. Keep them in their place. Hmm? Keep them in their place. Okay, keep them in their place. Fair enough. Anybody else? Say that again. They don't trust he's an actual messenger from the owner. Okay. Yeah, that he's a fraud. All right. The owner's not there and they think he decided to stay on Oh, so the guy's not around, so it's theirs. It's mine. Could it be because they don't have any fruit to give? And they are worried, possibly, of what the owner might do because they have no fruit to give. Wasn't that in this whole parable he's talking about, wasn't there also an underlying theme that the owners would do this, they'd have the tenants come in and 
set up, then he'd kick them out and bring in another set of tenants and start over so that he made more money off. Oh, that there could, there could, there could be a, a, uh, this, the sense that the tenants are going to get messed over by, yeah, that, that, that could, I'm sure stuff like that went on. Uh, I'm, yeah, that's a, that's a good thought. But I think in the context that that's what's getting, what, what we're getting at here. There's no fruit. Send him away empty. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He still, he sent an, still another one, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send, a son whom he loved. Now, if you've been with us throughout Mark, um, if you'll flip back. Jesus' baptism. Does Mark talk about Jesus' baptism? Or does he just... Yep, there it is. So this is the beginning. This is Mark chapter 1, verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. A voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So the original hearers of this, immediately they're tuned in on who the Son is. Right? Now we'll have to unpack a little bit further who these other folks are. But nonetheless, the last part of this... This is the sun. Alright. He sent him his last of all saying, they will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him. And the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner, whoa. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read the scripture? Here we go. The stone the builders rejected, here's Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. Now, isn't this curious about parables? We've, we've studied a lot of parables in this study, right? What is normally the response to a parable? What's that? Confusion. Yeah, it's like, huh? It's like, and, and so, you know, Jesus teaches this parable, and when they go back into the house with the, the uh, disciples say, uh, can you explain to us the meaning of this? These guys get it. It's like plain as day. Um, 
But as, as, as we will see as we continue through this section, they have it, they struggle to act decisively because they are afraid of the crowd. So they left him and went away. They, they, there's something that these, these groups of people, um, power, position, um, the desire to be right, whatever it could be, um, to hold on to that at all cost. And it's such a good word to us because there's things in our lives that we want to hold on to at all cost that Jesus is inviting us to let go of and change the way we think about. That's the essence of repentance, right? To change the way you think. And, and Jesus is working with them and they actually have this opportunity to repent and they don't take it. All right, so couple of things I want to talk about. These groups, these people that come, um, one after the other, who may they represent? Who said that? Yeah, the prophets. So let's, uh, so the, the very, so Hebrews is, Hebrews chapter one is so good. Um, just read it really quick, just a couple of, couple of lines. In the past, that's the sending of the group, the people, right? In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. It's a good summary statement, I think, for uh, for this parable. Now, this this uh, vineyard language, um, who is the vineyard? In this, in this story, you think? Israel. That's right. It's Israel. So this, this would be very common, uh, language for them. If you'll turn to Isaiah chapter five. Sorry, Kurt. I know we go all over the place here, but Isaiah chapter five. If these groups of people knew anything, they would have heard this echoing in their ear when Jesus was, uh, sharing this parable just notice the heart of God for his people in this uh, this passage this is verse 1 I will sing this is God talking I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard my loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside, hillside. he dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it. He cut out a wine press as well. Sounding familiar? Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated and briars and thorns will grow there 
I will command the cloud not to rain it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel. And the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but heard cries of distress. So going back to the original question there um, about when things get bad in the in the uh, the parable, um, no fruit or at the minimum the fruit is bad. In this Isaiah passage that he is channeling here, certainly is bringing clarity to that. Well, instead of like like digging deep. For me, digging deep into the details of this, what questions does this raise for you? You gotta know the Old Testament to understand the New Testament. Yeah, there's, it, it doesn't, Jesus just doesn't say these things out of, out of thin air. But these are issues that have been persistent for literally millennia. And these people, this temple, what was it? Remember what Jesus said that this temple was to be for? The house of prayer for all the nations. A place where everyone could connect and be in relationship with God. Right? And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but heard cries of distress. So this whole section, I think I mentioned it uh, two weeks ago uh, when I, were, I was here. It is revealing the fruitlessness or bad fruit of Israel and particularly Israel's leaders. And... Um, Get back turned over here. If somebody were to ask you why you chose Jesus, or better yet, why Jesus chose you, what would you say? Anybody got a good stump speech ready? You should, right? Let me offer you a scripture here. So this is John 15. This is like, it's a passage that we go to a lot. A greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. Goes on and on. And so we get, we, we're definitely in that stream that he's speaking to us as well. He's speaking to his disciples, yes. But this by extension, he is speaking to us, right? Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That all of Israel Right? They were to be fruit bearers. Now think about this. What grows fruit 
on our tree, biblically speaking. Come on, like use your heads, think deeply. Like from from Genesis chapter 1 on, what is it that causes fruit to grow on our tree? Say that again. Light. What is the what is the word that that is actually used? You know it, Cade. Hmm? No. You, this is going to surprise you, but you got to get this. How many of you would like and appreciate a blessing from the Lord? And God blessed them, and He said to the humans, "Be fruitful." And multiply. And we say, oh, that's just, that's just having kids. No, it's, there's more, there, there's this theme all the way through the scripture of fruitfulness. Like, there in Isaiah. What is God expecting from his people for them to bear? What kind of fruit? Like, good fruit. Like this amazing, these amazing grapes that nourish themselves and nourish the world. Right? And so, blessing grows fruit. Fruit, going back to Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Right? The fruit, what is the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. Right? This is in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy Peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That is the fruit that we hang on our tree for other people to take from our tree to be nourished into wholeness, nourished into relationship with God. And here, these people that Jesus is speaking to, they have been given every opportunity and they have turned their back on it for the sake of holding on to power, to holding on to what they think is life-giving as opposed to what actually is. State. Yes. In your experience, have you found or read a version, a Bible version, that tells the Bible story in the words like you just did rather than in the scriptural Oh my gosh. Kurt and I have this conversation regularly. It's like we want we want to be able to put it together somehow. It's like the way Bible translators work, translations work. You miss this stuff. You you miss the connection. Like we don't understand that one of the main themes of the Bible is blessing for fruitfulness. You miss the story. Then it, what what happens then? Then our faith devolves into. Oh, believe in Jesus. When I die, I'll go to heaven. And that's all it's about. And then you can't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Right? Because being a follower of Jesus is about being a fruitful human being. It's reflecting God's goodness and his, his truth back into people's lives because they're eating this fruit off of our tree. Right? And that is what is being missed by Israel is, you know, and I understand it's like they have been beat up and marginalized. We're going to get to the next story. We'll get to it next week. Um, or Kurt will get to it next week 
the next story is about taxes. Now, when we think about taxes, yeah, how many of y'all like to pay your taxes? Eh, I don't know if anybody like, oh, I feel like I'm a true American when I write that check, right? But taxes in the ancient world is a different beast. It's like they had to pay so many different types of taxes. And the tax that they're fixing to talk about next week was the imperial tax. (laughs) The only people that paid the imperial taxes were the people who were being occupied. Roman citizens did not have to pay this tax. Now, how would that feel? Right? And so it just, they get their, their anger and their hatred and their, their frustration towards their enemies help, causes them to lose their vision that God has for their enemies. And man, we do that. I mean, we, we live in this, this culture that is divided and we, here in Midland, we're easy to point the finger at the, the other side of the aisle. They're the problem. No, no, no. They are to be the people who we expose our fruit to. So that's a different, different mindset, right? And if we're not careful, we become like these groups of people that are just filled with hate and anger. All right. Anybody have any more questions? Well, I was hoping I would be able to get through the next uh, next uh, passage, but we'll leave that to Pastor Kurt next week. And they didn't want to answer it because they were afraid of the people. And it's so concerned about what the culture That's right. As opposed to the truth. That's right. So back to back stories. That's right. Using, and so that just, that spoke to me. It's two weeks in a row, the exact same thing. We're living that with that. I know. It's very much so. Very much so. The truth, the truth will set you free. That's it. That's right. I think one factor that may contribute to this is the fact that we tend to live not with an eternal focus, but with a temporal focus. Of course, of course. And, and like one of these groups, uh, chapter 12, verse 18, the Sadducees, that's all they believe there was. Uh, that all that we have is right now. So I got to protect what we have now. Uh, because that's all I got. There, there was no sense of eternity. So it's a struggle. And we all fall into that trap, right? I know what I'm dealing with right now. And I gotta handle this right now. Or God, you gotta handle this right now. And then God doesn't move like as quick as we want. We like start to lose faith. All right. So, it's a similar challenge that I gave you a couple of weeks ago. So I just want y'all to continue to live with that. Uh, it's kind of fruity, I know. It's kind of a, supposed to be funny, right? But how would it help us to envision us walking around with your favorite fruit hanging on you? 
And that one of the, one of your main, your main mission every day, beginning with your spouses, for those of you who are married, that you offer your fruit to them day in and day out. Every person that you place in your, that God places in your path, that you are offering the very essence of yourself to them in this fruitful life that God has given you. God has blessed you. Do you believe that you're blessed? If you believe that you are blessed, then the thing that the natural outcropping is, is fruitfulness. You have things to give and things people need. Love and joy and peace and all of those things. And to arrange your life. This has to be intentional. It's not just, okay, I'm going to do this. It's an intentional act on your part to be present to people and not just running from thing to thing. So I wonder if just slowing down, you know, it takes time, um, slowing down, offering more of ourselves to others, the blessings we've received, offer them to others. I wonder if that will begin to make a difference in our lives and in our relationships. Lord Jesus, um, we are quick to point the fingers, our fingers, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the elders. Lord, uh, I pray that those parts of us that are unfruitful, the parts of us that bear bad fruit, or that you will just reveal those to us, and or that you will give us all kinds of courage not to be afraid of trusting you with them. But Lord, trusting you that you are indeed good. And Lord, to allow your goodness to grow in us those things that can nourish this hurting and broken world that we live. Lord, I thank you for my brothers. And Lord, may you bless them. Bless them for fruit. Bless them to love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great day.